Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den at a most unusual time. The doors of the den are closed right now as we, like any other neighborhood gathering place, are not receiving guests in person as we practice social distancing during this coronavirus pandemic. Now, the last two episodes, we were packed in here with multiple guests, but for this episode, even my co-host Deacon Joe will be joining us shortly by phone. And this leads us to the topic of this very special edition of the Deacon's Den. We had planned to discuss in this episode the unique role of the deacon at Mass, but with Catholic churches closed in most dioceses across the United States, and the faithful needing to access Masses streamed over the internet or on television, now did not seem the right time to engage that topic. Instead, we've chosen today to discuss the impacts of this necessary social distancing on the ministry of deacons, specifically how to be a deacon with the community during this time of pandemic. And joining me remotely is my co-host, Deacon Joe. Joe, are you there? I'm here. You're here. <laughs> you sound loud. I'm and, here. <laughs> you sound well, loud and proud this morning. Relatively speaking, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In, in that virtual sense, like so often we are today, we are here virtually. Well, it's great to talk to you, Joe. And as we responsibly practice our social <laughs> distancing to do our part to impede the spread of COVID-19, I must say that it's definitely pretty lonely in here right now. But I hope if we all do our part, we can open our doors in the not-too-distant future. However, there's no question that the responsible action right now is for each of us to do exactly what we're doing, to do our best to respect Florida statewide safer-at-home order until such time as medical authorities tell us it's appropriate to resume our normal operation. But that really leads us into today's conversation. You know, the safer-at-home order is not a shelter-in-place order. So essential services are still being fulfilled in the community, such as ones we all might expect, police, fire, paramedics, as well as medical professionals to treat the sick. But we also know that places like grocery stores and pharmacies need to stay open so that the basic necessities of life may be taken care of. So, Joe, let me start off by asking you, how has this order affected your role at the Chancery? as a secretary for leadership in parish life. You mentioned loneliness. It's very lonely on that third floor because I'm, I'm one of those individuals that still pop into work, collecting the mail, distributing mail. I mean, we're still, we haven't stopped working in the sense of our applications, even for the diaconate program. Somewhere along the line, somebody has to process that. You know, some of the departments even, liturgy and music, we're going into Holy Week. We're in Holy Week. I mean, they have tasks that they have to do to prepare for those online streamings. Tribunal pops in now and then to take care of so that people's cases are still managed. And even vocations, that recruitment doesn't stop. The the need doesn't stop. And, of course, our senior priests, which we always worry about because they're the vulnerable population, mm -hmm. you know, staying connected with them is extremely important. They're already lonely Social distancing can can contribute to an even deeper loneliness. I really like that last point you made, and and I know we'll come back to it more later in terms of how a deacon um, fulfills his ministry to the overall community. But that's a great point, Joe, because some of our our more senior members of the population, our senior priests, in your context, they're not as comfortable with all of these uh, technical solutions that we have, <laughs> uh, and that brings a laugh. Tell me a little bit. Uh, how's that striking you? Well, you know, I, I know at San Pedro, the first time we tried to this 
live stream stuff. Uh, we were kind of sideways, turned around. It, it was very uncomfortable. I know we experienced that also at Annunciation. It, 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 there's a whole new level of stress when you're doing it in front of a camera hmm. than when you're when you're talking to a live audience. Exactly. And, and again, uh, now what you have done will live forever in the media and online. So now we can go back and say, look at the game field. You see what this silly guy Deacon did? <laughs> That's you know, not right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the flip side for me is in my role as a director of the Permanent Deaconate, I really have been able to do, at least at this point, most of my job remotely from home. Again, I think that's a really real blessing of the technology from which we both benefit right now and the entire society does. You know, a hundred years ago during the pandemic of the Spanish flu, there wasn't this way to have the social connectedness through technology. For me, with the files that we share online, with the email, with uh, even the, the Zoom video conference that you and I were in the other day uh, with the team reviewing Diaconate applications, there is so much that we, in fact, can do and need to be able to do. But you're right, what is often missing is that very important personal connection, which is at the key and the heart of ministry. A lot of the messages I'm getting now is the congregation, the people of the parish are, are missing the hugs, the greetings, that face-to-face opportunity to engage with each other. Exactly. And I know we're all yearning for that. You see that on, on Facebook and Instagram all the time. Uh, and even in our, um, our jobs in formation uh, with the over 50 candidates that are going through formation right now, it really has impacted with the delivery of the intellectual dimension, the the education, the theology works very well over line in the classrooms, just like our high school and college and even elementary school students are doing. But the human formation, the ability to really engage with people, to develop them as ministers of the church at the human, pastoral, and spiritual level, really isn't done as readily or as effectively uh, in this internet world. And of course, we've also had to uh, cancel or postpone events. Uh, it was unfortunate last week, but we made the right decision in postponing the ordination to the diaconate that was supposed to take place in June and have pushed that off to the fall. Again, the responsible, the appropriate action, still difficult. And uh, I know it's tough for the guys to hear, but you know, this is the time in which we live. Now, the beauty, I think that based on the conversations that I've seen online between the men and the wives, it's been very healthy. They understand. They understand the prudence of the decision. It's good to hear. It's nice to be affirmed when we have to make those tough calls, and uh, we appreciate our bishop uh, working with us on that. You know, one of the most dramatic changes for all of us has been the cessation of live masses and other religious services. In Lent, uh, it's very common to have the Stations of the Cross and adoration throughout the year. Unfortunately, this became even more confusing for some people last week when our governor made an exception for religious services to the safer at home order. And I understand where he was going. He was trying to honor the separation of church and state. But that's resulted in people wondering why we're still doing this. Why are the doors to the church closed? So what would you tell someone who challenges the decision by our diocese to continue closing our churches and streaming masses? You know, in the conversations I've had with the bishop and his staff, you know, we, we want to do the, the prudent thing. The, the Diocese of Orlando, and the bishop especially, his primary concern is the well-being and health of all the faithful of the diocese. He doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize them, and therefore, the, even across Florida, the bishops have determined that it is just not prudent to do large group gatherings, even with even with the notion that we were going to somehow be able to pull off that safe distance 
stuff. It, it just doesn't work when you when you've longed to be with somebody. You're gonna naturally go and give the hug, give the handshake, which all jeopardizes what we're trying to do to stop the pandemic. Yeah, no, exactly, Joe. And I think that's that's right. Is our urge to be with. And, and our natural tendencies, we're looking for a connection. So you put any large number of people in a room together, especially in the context of the mass and liturgy where we come together as the body of Christ, that body does want to unite. You know, it, it brings back the memory in the movie John the 23rd when he became Pope. He was a very much uh, a guy that really liked to greet people. They, he touched people, and, and he missed that aspect of it where you know there there was a distance between his role as pope and the people and i can in a small way feel that when i when i do have to engage with somebody face to face my natural inclination is to go up and shake their hand mhm mhm the most profound image that i think i have from this entire uh, pandemic period pope francis last week gave his urbi ad orbi uh, talk to the nation or to the nations mm-hmm. of the world and to see Pope Francis delivering his message and then doing the blessing with the Blessed Sacrament to an empty St. Peter's Square. So incredibly emotionally moving, but I think it, it illustrated and exemplified the way we can still minister even at a distance right now. Right. Uh, so let's, let's deal with this issue particularly. You know, our priests are still asked to celebrate daily Mass and, where possible, stream or record those Masses so that the lay faithful can participate online. And one of the first, in fact, one of the first inquiries I received was when this all started was from our deacons who were asking if they should assist their priests. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is such a good question, and there's not an automatic yes or no to the question. You know, the, the considerations that went through my heart is, first and foremost, does the pastor or priest want the deacon present? You know, if the priest is one of those vulnerable populations, do they do they want additional people coming in and, for lack of a better word, possibly contaminating the safe area that they've created for themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, does the deacon have underlying issues? Does does their desire to serve override their prudence and understanding that they're they're vulnerable? Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of our deacons are in the older population. A lot of our deacons are in that at-risk population. So I think right. I think that's smart to say. It's not only putting your priest at risk, but in your desire to serve putting yourself at risk. Right. You know, the discretion to, to do this, to, to, for the deacon to serve with their priest, is really up to the discretion of and the conversation between the pastor and the deacon to make sure that they're comfortable with the situation at hand. Now, we also can't really love or look this opportunity that's presented itself. You know, many times our wives have become sacramental and liturgical widows as the deacon serves, the wife sits in the pews alone. Exactly. This is a wonderful opportunity for spiritual growth together mm-hmm. as you participate in Mass virtually with the rest of the community. Exactly. And that kind of leads me to the next thought here is that for the most part, you and I reached a different conclusion on whether we personally would assist our priests with Mass. And, you know, as you've already teed up here, these are very personal decisions, a lot of, uh, a lot of factors that weigh into this decision. And I, and I think it's important to share how two deacons can reach two equally appropriate conclusions. So talk about your decision and what drove you to that, and then I will chime in with mine. 
when the announcement came and said, okay, no more masses, no more public services, no public liturgies, my first response was, oh, great, I got time to work on the chapel and clean up certain things. And one of the things that was driving me crazy at San Pedro Center was the candles were a mess. You know, the, the wax running all over the place. It just looked sloppy. So I, I took the opportunity, took them home, cleaned them up. And when I brought them back Monday, I came in to the chapel and I saw that Father Anthony was doing his private mass. And so I went in and I listened from outside the door. And it was very awkward. Hearing the sacred conversation that was designed to be between God and his people and having the priest do both parts, mm-hmm. it just seemed awkward. My plan was to just sneak in, fix the candles, and get out without Father Anthony knowing I was there. But, of course, we bumped into each other in the vestibule. Figuratively, not literally, I hope. Social distancing, after all. Yeah, we, we kept our distance. But the, the conversation that went on, we decided that we were going to do it together, and we were going to go virtual. And I think the thing that really pushed me over the top in my reflections, because I thought, maybe I'm being selfish, because I get Eucharist, nobody else, none of the rest of the community. But as we've been doing this, and I became that voice of the people, I think the second time I did it, I went in, and we have candles by the Blessed Virgin for praying. I lit one candle and did a post and said, basically, this is so that represents your presence, the community's presence in this Mass, and God let my voice be their voice in the responses. And I think it's come over very well. And I think the first time we talked about this, you used that term that the deacon is the bridge to the laity, and this was a very visible way for you to be that bridge. Right. And I felt it. I really do feel it. Every time I'm there and I make the responses, it's made me very disciplined on how I, you know, I was disciplined before, but now it's even a, a deeper discipline on virtually leading the congregation and their responses to the Mass. I really think that is a beautiful uh, expression and representation of the deacon's role. As we have discussed, of course, I landed on, uh, on a different place in this issue, that for the most part, with a couple exceptions, uh, I have chosen not to assist my priest at Mass. I think it's equally, I hope it's equally valid. On the one hand, I'm sharing, you know, I have chosen to share that, um, that sacrifice of the laity. So where you are being our voice, uh, I am standing with them in solidarity of that hunger, that lack um, for and having to receive through spiritual communion. And as you already referenced, for a married deacon, there is this, um, you know, for me, I look at it as, you know, as we talked about before with our deacons and deacon candidates, our marriage is our first vocation. And so for my opportunity to, to sit with Rosie at home uh, in absence from the sacred liturgy, uh, I think is also uh, a, an important sign for me to give. What really struck me after we talked about it was that we both had good rationales. We both reached a different conclusion. And right. I think God smiles on both of those. At least I hope <laughs> I hope God does anyway. I'm going to, I'm looking at our time here. I want to move us forward because um, I don't want us to get stuck on liturgy. Liturgy, yes, is the source and summit, but that is not the limit of everything a deacon does. Um, right. A second charism of the deacon beyond the sacraments is to share the word, which is our proclamation and our teaching function. In this socially distanced time, what are some ways that you have found or have seen or heard that others have used to be effective for sharing God's word? It's very interesting. Father Anthony and I had that conversation this morning. It, it seems that 
San Pedro has increased its opportunities to reach out to the community since we've been in quarantine social distancing mode because we've been online with live streaming Eucharist. We've been doing presentations, online retreats, Stations of the Cross, Rosaries, Divine Mercy. There's so many things that we've been doing to try to keep the community engaged. And I find it interesting that we are reaching a larger audience. You know, typically on a daily Mass, we might have six people at the Mass. Well, online, we're attracting up to 500 viewers. Hmm. Are we reaching those individuals that typically go to church maybe every Easter and Christmas? Are we reaching the people that are searching for church and what is church? So it's been really good, given these opportunities to reach out. I think that's uh, that's a profound insight, because during these times of crisis, I think it accentuates the hunger that we always have for God, for meaning in our lives. And too often, when we're racing around, and society and the population in general are racing around and consumed by all the activities, we don't take the time. But the hunger's there. And by making it so accessible to people through the Internet, uh, through social media, that when you can make available these presentations or online retreats, that it is perhaps a unique opportunity for the hunger that everyone feels uh, in their life, for meaning, for God in their lives, to be fulfilled. I think about after 9-11 when that happened and the churches were packed. In crisis, when we realize uh, that we have created all of these structures that we try to depend upon, and, uh, and I know Pope Francis referenced this in his in his message last week, that when we try to do that and then it all gets stripped away because we're seeking meaning in all these insubstantial ways and yet right. the true substance and the true meaning. So I think that's fascinating that you've increased you know, tenfold or a hundredfold the number of people you're able to reach through San Pedro Spiritual Center. Right. It's, yeah, I hear a lot of deacons uh, and I've talked to deacons who have, you know, posted homilies, led rosaries, uh, shared messages. I know I shared a reflection that my spiritual director had shared with me a couple of weeks ago. I shared that online and the number of responses I got was amazing. And what struck me and it caught me by surprise, I I posted another more humorous video the other day to try to lift spirits, and I thought that was the one that was going to go viral, and instead it was the one that touched on the deep meaning that really seemed to connect to people even more so. So fascinating times. Mm -hmm. I'm in agreement. I've always sensed a deep hunger for God, and we've looked for God in all the wrong places. Hmm. This opportunity to slow down and really, as a family, kind of consider... What do we really need to be united with each other, to be fulfilled? It's coming through in these spiritual opportunities that are being broadcast. Exactly. Well, the the third charism of the deacon, uh, charity to those in need, can be one of the most challenging at this time of social distancing as it really um, limits direct service, visiting hospitals, nursing homes, prisons. All of these have been virtually eliminated at this time. So how do you see that a deacon can still serve those on the margins effectively in the midst of this pandemic? Now, this still goes back because it is such a challenging one because the needs have increased so much mm. because people are out of work, no longer can even afford to buy groceries. They're balancing medicines, you know, rent, food, clothing. And really, it goes back to our initial conversation with the liturgy is that there has to be a conversation. There has to be that inner reflection. 
Am I healthy enough? Do I have the personal protective equipment to engage the public? You know, Catholic Charities right now is looking for volunteers to assist with their food drives that have continued mm-hmm. and, and actually the distribution. Mm-hmm. And they need bodies to help give the food out. Mm-hmm. I know that they're, they'll give them personal protective gear. I know that, you know, I've seen a lot of online and on the news that other churches are still doing drops, even if it's directly into the back of their vehicles without making contact and having the social distance that we, we desire. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if people can go out and still get their pickup uh, on food at the restaurants, you know, which is keeping those small businesses hopefully uh, uh, up and running, but if, if we can go out to do those things, then I think we certainly can go out to deliver food to those in need, collect food for those in need. I agree. The six visits are a little harder because only you're not going to get into the hospital. Right. You know, even the priests have very strict guidelines, and they're visiting the sick and the ability to anoint. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody's infected, they're not allowed to touch them. Right. They're not allowed to be in the same room. They, they're asked to at least stand at the window so that they can see, the person can have the hope and see that they've been blessed in a special way by their priest. And I think this leads us back to the fact that sometimes we have forgotten the power of prayer. You know, prayer does not require a physical pr- presence. Prayer right. is active. Prayer does work. And at moments like this, when we cannot be with people physically, we can still be with them spiritually. And that, you know, God is still active in this situation. God doesn't cause these things to happen. But just, you know, here we are in Holy Week. And just as Jesus joined his suffering to ours through the cross and walked the journey on the road to Calvary and died on the cross and laid in the tomb, God is with us in those moments. And I think right. that becomes so important for us to embrace at this time and to unite our prayers with those in need. Prayer does work. I remember years ago, I think it was Duke University and also UCSF, both their medical schools, did a double-blind study on prayer, and they found that prayer works in healing. It is efficacious. And so right. I think that can be part of the way we do ministry at this time. It was interesting because I read this morning in my uh, 52 weeks with St. Faustina, the reflection on Jesus told St. Faustina that there are three stages to charitable service. By deed is one, mm-hmm. and by deed can be being disciplined to keep your social distance, to stay home if you're supposed to, be obedient to the civil law as well as our bishops. But the second stage is by word. We've connected virtually quite often. But that third stage is also do not forget the power of prayer. Pray for the poor. Well, I think that's a beautiful capstone and a wrap-up for our discussion today. I know we're getting a little long, but this is an important topic. And I'm glad we had the opportunity to uh, come in today and have this conversation, or at least connect remotely and virtually (laughs) to do it, coming in as an overstatement, of course. You know, the, the final thing I want to encourage people to do is the churches are still trying to provide these services to people, and especially the poor and those who are most in need. So even though we can't go into the churches and drop our our envelopes in the collection basket, I really hope that people are taking advantage of online ways or even mailing 
in their donations to churches because the services are even more important at this time during this time of great need. So, Joe, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for dialing in remotely, and I will wrap it up here. You can stay on the line, of course, but uh, let me. uh, I'm not not kicking you out even (laughs) virtually. So without question, these are very unusual times, but like the church, we're called to respond to the unique circumstances of this age. And so, Joe, thank you for using this appropriately unique approach to dial into the Deacon Stand for this episode. And uh, please stay healthy. Thank you. So what's next on the menu for the Deacon's Den? That's a great question. We look forward to the day when we can open our doors to welcome guests again. At that time, we hope to take up the topic of the Deacon's unique role at Mass. But in the meantime, we'll continue to be flexible in adjusting our menu to meet the needs of the community. Well, we've reached a most unusual closing time of the Deacon's Den. Thanks for dropping into your virtual corner booth. Social distancing will not keep us from maintaining your standing reservation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there is always at least a virtual corner booth reserved just for you.